0: Hey, everybody, it's Lon Sivan, and it's time for your weekly wrap up. And before we get started, we do want to acknowledge our newest members here on the channel. These are folks who contributed via my donor box page as well as via Patreon. We have Eric Cardwell, Richard Wurrener, and Tony Brown, who gave via the tip jar. We also have some super chatters who watched our uh, attempt to build a PC. I'll talk a little bit more about this in a few minutes. Uh, we have John Campbell, Aiden Murphy, and Zam who contributed during that live stream. And we don't have an advertiser this week, but we do have a non-ad, an affiliate link, over to the GearBest flash sale that is always changing. Uh, right now they've got a couple of... 3D printers that are selling for a couple of hundred bucks so uh, it's always moving around you can go to that link right there and help out the channel while shopping for some cool and unique gadgets from China so check out the gear best sale there. Now this week on the extras channel we had some footage from that DJI Mavic Air both at 4k as well as at 120 frames per second. I also unboxed a tablet that we'll be looking at later on this week. And on the main channel, we got a bunch of stuff uploaded this week, including my uh, dispatch from Toy Fair 2018. I'll talk a little more about that in a minute. We also had the review of the DJI Mavic Air, a firmware jailbreak on the new Super NT SNES clone console that allows you to load games off of an SD card now. We did attempt to build the system producer Corey's PC on a live stream that ran for almost three hours, uh, and we had our sponsored video from Kensington on all the intricacies of USB Type C docking stations. I did want to talk a little bit about our trip out to New York City. I was at Toy Fair for most of the day on Saturday, and. What's funny is whenever I go to one of these trade shows now, none of them are as large as CES. So we're really good at uh, getting through the entire show in a day. And Toy Fair is pretty big. They had over 30,000 attendees at this show. But we were looking for things specifically that would be good for the channel to talk about. We found about... 15 to 20 minutes or so of content for you to check out and I didn't get a lot of viewership on this video I thought I'd do a little better on it just given that a lot of you like the CES dispatches and this was the same exact style but I think maybe the Toy Fair thing turned some people off don't let it do that because this is all stuff that I thought was really cool including something that Uh, Allows you to control other people's hands with your mind and it was crazy. You got to check it out uh, in the master playlist link down below. I'm also going to be taking some uh, snippets of these and putting them in other places as well. So be on the lookout for that. Now, I did want to talk about the live stream. These are the components that we use to build assistant producer Corey's PC. That live stream is in the master playlist down below. I always like when we do one of these uh, really non-planned out streams to play around with some new equipment. And I was uh, messing around with some new NDI camera technology with a point, uh, pan, tilt, and zoom camera. So I was having some fun with that. Uh, But we did run into a problem, though, that uh, once we got the PC assembled, it did not boot up. And there was a whole host of reasons for that uh, potentially happening. And a lot of you were providing some pretty good feedback as for some of the things we should look for to troubleshoot. And we did walk through a pretty uh, intricate amount of troubleshooting to try to figure out what the source of the problem is, including uh, trying new power supplies, taking the motherboard out of the case, trying different processors. We did a lot of different stuff here to try to figure out the problem. And as it turns out... Uh, The motherboard had a bent pin on the CPU slot here. Uh, The good news is that it does not appear to have damaged the CPU itself. We'll know better when the replacement motherboard arrives, but... Uh, It looks as though this was our problem all along, and I really should have uh, looked at that before we put the whole thing together to uh, perhaps save ourselves the aggravation of a three-hour troubleshooting thing. But uh, this happens sometimes when you buy new motherboards. I'm uh, very positive that I don't think we caused this bent pin because I didn't touch anything in there, but uh, that was what happened. So we're going to get a new motherboard in. Newegg has done an RMA for us, so once that board comes in, we'll continue Uh, hopefully where we left off and get the rest of that computer assembled for all of you. And now it's time for a couple of things that are on my mind, and this is week number 50 of me doing this as a full-time occupation. We are almost at the one-year mark now, and I've obviously been learning a lot as I've been doing this full-time, and I wanted to talk a little bit about some things that I think YouTube can be doing better Uh, especially for creators like me. And this is not going to be a complaint session. I'm going to give you some ideas that hopefully maybe somebody at YouTube will see and think about uh, in the course of this. But before I do, I wanted to talk about the interview I pointed you all at last week, which was between... Uh, Casey Neistat and Robert uh, Stinsel from YouTube. Uh, Robert here is the number two at the uh, video platform we all know and love and sometimes hate, perhaps. And I was hoping for a little more out of this interview. It was kind of a fast thing. Uh, Casey uh, was asking some good questions, but uh, Robert was, of course, media trained and was really staying on message. There was a couple of times I, I was hoping he would kind of dig in a little further and try to pull out some more detail or try to knock him off his Uh, Talking points, but he really uh, was able to hold steady to it throughout the interview. And it really wasn't quite a dud, but it wasn't uh, what I was hoping it would be. And one thing that really aggravated me was when they were talking about the demonetization issues and how uh, Stencil's uh, solution to all of that, or Kinsel, I'm sorry, Kinsel's solution to all of that was to upload your video early and leave it unlisted for a couple of days. But uh, obviously, those who cover news and current events don't have that luxury. So it was kind of a uh, let them eat cake kind of statement. So, all in kind of a dud of an interview. Uh, There is a better interview that got posted last week around the same time. Uh, this one with the YouTube CEO Susan Wojcicki, who is in charge of the entire platform at Google, and I thought this interview was much better, partly because Kara Swisher, who's a trained journalist, was doing the interview, and when you put a trained and seasoned journalist against a trained and seasoned corporate executive, uh, it's fun to see that dance with the two of them, trying to, uh, one trying to keep herself on message and the other one trying to get more out of her uh, as the interview progressed, and I thought this one was really a good watch, and I think gives us a little more insight into everything. And it looks like you know one of the things that YouTube and perhaps other social media platforms are struggling with is uh, how and where to take responsibility for the content that is being posted on their networks. And uh, Wojcicki here was very much uh, you know focused on the fact that she's a platform and not a media company. But I think the lines are starting to blur a bit, and the Logan Paul example is something that. I'm sure is giving them a lot of internal debate, which was kind of evident in that discussion. So great interview. Uh, Check it out and gives you a little bit of an idea as to what's going on inside of this platform. So let's move on now and talk about some of the things that YouTube can be doing better, uh, not only for big channels, but mid-sized channels like mine and smaller channels, too. And I'm going to start with the obvious one, which a lot of us often talk about, Uh, which is better communication, but not just better communication externally, I'm talking about internal communication as well. And before we go into all of the details here, uh, as a creator, you don't just deal with YouTube, you're dealing with a number of other Google-owned entities here to run your channel, that includes Google search and making sure you're optimized for uh, showing up in Google search results, which is a big portion of my traffic. Uh, Google AdWords, which are the ads that are skippable and appear before the videos that you see on many of your favorite channels, including mine. That's a uh, means in which the revenue gets to us and the revenue is paid out to us. Uh, through Google AdSense, which is a uh, means of sharing revenue with creators, and they wire the money over to you once a month there. Uh, We've got Google Plus here, which is a defunct, essentially defunct, uh, social media platform that Google had launched a couple of years ago to compete with Facebook, but is intertwined with YouTube, uh, especially for those of us who are running uh, branded channels. And then We also have YouTube Red, which is that monthly subscription program that uh, has some features that some YouTube creators, not all, are interfacing with. And all of these things are the things that we as creators have to deal with. And I wanted to start, though, with Google+. Now, what happened is a couple of years ago when uh, Google was really focused on taking on Facebook with Google+, they launched this great a social media platform, and initially it was really cool. I really enjoyed it. I was connecting with people from all over the world who shared common interests, and it just kind of fizzled out. And uh, meanwhile, the company was very eager to try to get this competitor to Facebook off the ground, and they decided to integrate a very popular platform, YouTube, uh, with their not-so-popular platform, Google+. And initially, uh, they were requiring that any YouTube account also have a Google Plus profile. Uh, they have reversed that. But if you are running a branded channel like I am, you need to have a Google Plus brand page attached to your YouTube channel. In fact, the brand page is the owner essentially of the channel And then I can grant access to myself as well as my assistant producer here to work on the channel. So if I want uh, Corey, for example, to pop in and upload something to the Extras channel or my Snippets channel, he can do that through the access that I grant him through this Google Plus interface. He can also maybe edit some stuff on this channel as well if he wants to or if I want him to. But I can't do that if I had a personal YouTube account because I'd have to give him access to my entire Google account. So if you're running a business here, you have to have the Google Plus profile set up for your uh, your effort here your brand page and a couple of months ago i got this email from their robot saying that i was spamming through this brand page onto the google plus platform and then if i kept doing it uh, they were going to kick me off of google plus and if they had done that um, i would have lost the channel and my business completely so i stopped posting my videos on google plus and i was doing that automatically through YouTube and Google's own tool. When you go to upload your video, there's a little checkbox there for Google+, and I said, hey, why not put it there, even if nobody's on there, if there's 20 people that are, uh, maybe that would be good for the channel. But nonetheless, I got this email and push notifications and everything else out to me, and I reached out to YouTube, and uh, everyone there was very apologetic, but there was nothing they could do. They couldn't get in touch with anybody at Google+, Plus to resolve the issue here, so I've just stopped posting stuff to Uh, the Google Plus page, but it concerns me that if I accidentally click that button one day, I could get my entire channel shut down for a uh, false alert here on me being a spammer. And this is one example of how I think these subsidiaries within Google are not communicating well with each other. Uh, this is not a criticism of the people I work with at YouTube when I do have issues. They are as helpful as they can be, but they are a, a small cog in a very big corporate machine that is just not communicating well between departments. And you'll hear some other examples of that as we work our way through here. So let's move on now to Google AdWords. And I'm not talking about demonetization yet, I'm talking about maybe finding some ways to have us creators sell into the platform. Now, nothing restricts me from doing that right now. In fact, I've done some experiments where I have bought pre-roll advertising that doesn't appear within my video uh, that you're watching now, but appears before the video like many other Uh, YouTube ads do. Anybody can set up an AdWords account and start buying ad space, but I wanted to do some different and creative things, and I couldn't reach out to anybody to get some individual help with it. Your only option as a small buyer is to go through their foreign uh, call center or their uh, little trouble ticket system, and I was not getting any answers, even to simple questions, and it took uh, a long time to the point where I was like, I can't possibly offer this to any more clients because i was not able to deliver what i even thought i could and i know there are programs to learn how google adwords works and everything but i think a real great ambassador to uh, the adwords platform would be a youtube creator who has a very intricate knowledge as to how people consume content on the platform and i think could be a very good person to sell advertising to clients that really doesn't interfere with the content yet i was not getting anywhere with uh, the Google AdWords team, and I really just kind of put this entire project on hold until I could get in touch with somebody that might be able to help me understand it better. Uh, this is something I did suggest to my partner manager, and I'm sure they're working on uh, that inside the company, but it was just uh, really crazy to me that we really know this platform quite well. Make it easier for us to sell ads on your behalf, and uh, that way I can find new channels of revenue that don't interfere as much with my content because I really don't want to fill these things up with native ads. And We're going to do them from time to time, of course course, but if it was every two minutes you're hearing some other advertisement that I'm reading off, I really think that detracts from the experience overall, and uh, there's a lot of neat targeting you can do on the AdWords platform, and I think they're missing out on a significant opportunity here. So let's move on to the next tent pole here, and that is YouTube Red. And I have actually been very pleased with YouTube Red, both as a creator as well as a content consumer. Uh, from the consumer standpoint, it's a very nice experience because, first of all, there are no ads and things just seem to work faster because there's no uh, server action required to see if there's an ad that's relevant to you at that point in time. So video just start right up. Uh, They have some of the other features like offline viewing and on my uh, iPhone and Android devices, I can uh, just listen to the straight audio of some of the longer form things that uh, I may not need to watch but want to listen to. So there's been a lot of good stuff that has come out of that uh, Red experience for me as a consumer. And then as a creator, the amount of revenue I get per view is much, much higher with YouTube Red subscribers than it is with people who are uh, getting ads displayed to them because not every viewer who's not a red subscriber uh, will see an ad and uh, not every ad is consumed to the point where i would get a, a revenue portion of it yet on youtube red every single view from a red subscriber is monetized and sometimes the revenue per video can be five times as much as it is Uh, for people that are not Red subscribers, and I really like just how well it's working. I'm not making a lot of money from it, but in my analysis, it does look uh, like if more people were subscribed, it would be very good for everybody, and it just boggles the mind why YouTube Red does not offer affiliate links for us creators. I would put that in the non-ad portion every week here, because I think it's a win-win for everybody, and Uh, It's really been a great experience and I want to help promote it, uh, but there's no incentive for me to do so beyond perhaps the the additional revenue I would get. But uh, some kind of affiliate link might be helpful. And the reason why I'm bringing this up is because uh, they were offering this to certain creators when they were first rolling out YouTube Red, but not all of us. And I think this would be a really good perk for us to Uh, really push this more heavily because I do think it does improve the viewing experience and the creator experience, too, for that matter. I also think it might be helpful to allow creators to post red only content. So right now, you have to be handpicked by YouTube to uh, offer videos that are only available to red subscribers, and I think it might be nice for other creators to be invited into that tent as well. Uh, Amazon is getting into this business, by the way. They have this Amazon Video Direct service that a number of YouTube creators have been experimenting with if uh, if you ever seen Pat country who's also known as pat the n e s punk he's got a series called the video game years that he uh, did with some other collaborators, namely RetroWare TV, and they were not doing very well on YouTube, but they uh, took the entire series and put it on Amazon Prime Video. It's free to Prime subscribers, and uh, you as a Prime member uh, pay a, a monthly fee, and then uh, they divvy out a portion of your uh, monthly subscription to them based on how many minutes you watch, and it's just like the Red model, and it's been working very well for them. I don't think I would do Red-only uh, content necessarily, but it'd be nice to have that on- option out there for me and perhaps other creators if I had some things I wanted to try in the future. So um, that would be something that would be nice to see added on. And my big gripe as a consumer of YouTube Red is that right now, uh, because I have my uh, YouTube channel, also my consumption channel, I like to communicate with other creators through my Lon.TV channel, Uh, I am not getting YouTube Red on my televisions. That includes my Shield TV, it includes my Smart TV apps. For whatever reason, if you are watching YouTube through a branded page, YouTube Red does not work, and you're seeing ads, and my creators are not getting credited for the minutes that I'm watching on my televisions. I have reached out to YouTube support. Different department. They pushed me over to the YouTube red people. I got somebody in India communicating with me in broken English, and uh, they are just not getting the problem here. There's just no solution, and it's been going on now for months, and it's incredibly broken, and perhaps I'm a small subset of the user base here, but uh, I am not getting the experience that I've been paying for. Uh, Before they did this change behind the scenes, it was a great experience on my televisions. Now I'm having to go through the process of Chromecasting from my phone to my television to... Uh, avoid some of those things, but I often like to just pick up the remote control and uh, click a few buttons and watch what I want to watch, and it has not been good. So another breakdown of communication here, uh, this time on the consumer side. And I'm also having some issues with Google AdSense in just how slow they are to validate your tax identification number as a business. So what happened was I used to have this channel under my own name, Uh, Now it is under my LLC, and when I submitted my LLC's tax identification number, it took them almost two months to validate the tax ID information, and then they rejected it, and all the while they've been taking withholding out of my monthly revenue stream. Now, I already pay my taxes quarterly, so I don't need this money withheld. I will get it back at some point, or at least have it offset my tax payment When I pay the IRS next year, but at this point, they're eating into my cash flow because they can't do a very simple uh, identification of my tax ID info like every other online service that I provide that information to. I don't know what's going on there, but again, I can't get in touch with anybody to rectify this situation. Uh, one last thing to deal with here is demonetization, and this has been something a lot of us have been impacted by and a lot of viewers are upset about, obviously, because many of their favorite creators are seeing uh, some significant uncertainty here as to what videos can be monetized which versus which ones can't. And one of the big problems is, is that the algorithm that they put together to make this determination is, in my opinion, just broken. Uh, just about everything I upload gets demonetized. I do have the option to upload my videos as unlisted and let them sit there for a day or two and if they don't get demonetized then i can make them public and generally they don't get the yellow flag on there but that's not realistic for many creators and i have a couple of things that i think they can do better here Uh, The first is they should be able to assign risk levels for channels. Uh, Every single one of my demonetization appeals has been granted, which means that theoretically I should be maybe a lower risk than a Logan Paul or somebody like that, and I think they should take some of that into consideration. They should also give advertisers more flexibility because on the AdWords side, uh, when you go in and set up your advertisement, uh, there's just a blanket uh, checkbox for uh, objectionable or potentially objectionable content. There really isn't a lot of depth to it right now where the advertiser can decide, yeah, I want news content, but uh, not you know the jackass-style stuff or whatever to be included in that. And right now, uh, advertisers don't have that flexibility. I also think there needs to be some carve-out or something for uh, the coverage of news and current events. And this really, I think, is... Uh, the biggest area of concern of mine because YouTube has a huge audience and I think this audience would certainly benefit uh, from as much news and current event content as possible and if they have this blanket order... Uh, that no coverage of tragedy or uh, you know, conflict is uh, going to be something monetizable, I do think it's really going to impact the quality of that kind of content we see on the platform. And uh, ABC News and CNN all have ads running on their particular YouTube videos, mainly because they sell them themselves. And I think there needs to be some carve-outs here for advertisers, first of all, who are – buying into the platform to make some exceptions for news content that uh, maybe YouTube vets on a risk-level basis or something. But again, also going back to my AdWords discussion to make it easier for channels to sell their own advertising as well, because I'm really uh, not happy with uh, how YouTube's been treating news content providers. And it's really tough because that... Toy Fair video I did, Uh, it was up for a day, it was fine, and then it got demonetized, and that's content that may not be all that relevant after a week or two. Also dealt with that with the CES coverage, so most of those videos were demonetized pretty quickly as well, and by the time they were remonetized, the news value left, and that's a big problem for news content creators. And I lied, there's one last topic to talk about in this segment, which is YouTube playing nicer with others. There's been this ongoing drama where uh, YouTube has been blocking content from Amazon hardware, namely the uh, Fire TV players and I think some of their tablets as well. And this really needs to stop, especially because Google and YouTube stand for net neutrality, yet they filter themselves off of a competitor's hardware platform over some kind of business dispute. This is not in keeping with that philosophy, and I think it needs to stop. I'm sure there's some reason why this has been happening, but it would be nice for uh, this conflict to end because I think it does set a very bad precedent, especially as these platforms grow and mature, uh, as they all gain more viewership and get more competitive with each other. It's not going to help me or many other creators to uh, have this kind of dispute happening, especially when Uh, their corporate interests suddenly collide with the corporate values they're trying to express, in this case, net neutrality. So we'll see what happens with this, but uh, like I said, they can do better there. So those are a few of the things that I think need to change at YouTube that will make life better for a lot of us. And I think a lot of the things that I suggested shouldn't be all that hard to implement. I'd love to hear what you think down in the comments below. And now it's time for a Q&A from you, the viewers. And our first question comes in here from One Man Show, who really is enjoying the remotes that we're doing, those dispatches from uh, CES and now Toy Fair. And he's wondering if I might do some other ones like Display Week out in Los Angeles. And I really like going to these shows because I go in with no plan. I just walk the entire show floor and look for whatever is interesting. And uh, what's fun about doing that is you often find some of the scrappier companies that don't have the resources to do a big PR push on their product offerings. And uh, every time I go to one of these things, I find something new and interesting. The problem I have is that Uh, These trips are really money losers for me in the sense that it costs me far more to go than I uh, earn back in revenue. And... CES makes a lot of sense to go to because we're able to get a sponsor for the week and we have a lot of content going up and I'm also able to do a lot of networking but a lot of these other shows are harder for me to get to but uh, one of the things that I would definitely love to get from all of you are uh, things that you're hearing about that are taking place in the area where I live namely New York City which is very easy for me to get to and maybe some of the other cities nearby because I can get out to those things uh, a lot less expensively. I often have friends that I can crash on a couch with or something and I can try to get some of those things done a little better because there are some benefits, even if it's a money loser for me, uh, to go out to a show and do some networking there. So let me know. The California ones are harder for me because i got to get a flight and a hotel and a car sometimes so it gets a lot more expensive. The New York ones aren't that bad because I can do some other things while I'm in New York. So uh, let me know what you hear about happening around the New York City area, and I will try to get out to a few more of these. And hopefully we can figure out some way to get these videos in front of more viewers so we can get a little bit more watch time on them as well. And these next two questions involve the backyard brains thing that we experienced at Toy Fair. And if you missed that dispatch, the first video I posted was of me getting attached to a device Uh, That device was attached to a a woman who was standing next to me and she was able to make my arm move just by closing her hand like this. And what they were doing was reading uh, her uh, electricity running through her nerves, going into this little box and then having that box uh, transmit some electrical signals to my nerves in my arm here to initiate that muscle action. And it was quite creepy because uh, my arm was literally just folding up, as you saw in the video, on its own without me doing it. And it was the creepiest thing I've probably ever experienced. It didn't feel all that weird. It kind of felt like a muscle twitch, but my whole arm was moving as a result, and it was very disconcerting it wasn 't shocking me i wasn 't feeling the electrical uh, signals running through my body, but my arm sure as heck was reacting to that and uh, it was really a very unique experience and that was probably the coolest thing I saw uh, at the show and The tachyon on here is saying uh, this is very creepy imagine how they 'll be able to literally control our bodies in the future and the one thing that i kind of gleaned from this is that you feel like you have so much control over your biology and in fact it really is just a bunch of electrical signals running from your brain to your arm to make everything move and you can easily hack into this and override it uh there was not any degree of resolution here so the good news is that you can't uh, do any kind of fine movements with this but i am sure at some point we'll get to that uh that eventuality in fact they had these cockroaches there that uh you can get a kit for where you can plug in this little uh chip onto the cockroach and remote control it like a cyborg it was i kid you not this exists and uh, it's only a matter of time before they get uh, more intricate with these electrical signals, and who knows, maybe at some point they could do it through the air or something. We, we're going to be entering in a very uh, odd place in the future where things that were once science fiction are things that we're going to have to think about from an ethics standpoint. Uh, Mike Global here was wondering if these neurosignals could affect my cardio if not used with, ca- with caution, and I would imagine if they were using a you know, more powerful electrical pulse that might have some cardio impact, but I think they were doing just enough to give you Um, that uh, nerve signal for uh, that muscle movement. I think those nerves are closer to the surface perhaps than uh, something related to your cardiovascular system. But yeah, you definitely want to be careful about ramping up too much electricity. But in this case, uh, my heart was fine. My arm was just moving. And the second that uh, thing was turned off, it was back to normal again. And I had a new appreciation for how our brains work. And my Q&A for you this week was the question I asked a few minutes ago or about some of the shows that I should consider looking at going to here in the Northeast. And I, uh, again, really like going to those things. New York City is the easiest for me because I got a place to stay to avoid all the hotels and it's cheap to get the train out there. So uh, let me know what you hear and I will uh, try to get out to as many of those as I humanly can. And our channel of the week this week is a great one for the nerds out there like myself who like funny commentary on nerdy topics like superhero films and sci-fi movies and that kind of thing. Uh, She's a huge Star Wars fan, as you can see from the enormous porg that she has behind her, and she does just really funny commentary that I enjoy listening to, so uh, check her out. She also hosts a show called The uh, Millennial Falcon, which is kind of a more highly produced effort, but this is my uh, favorite uh, component of her work. She's really got a dry wit that is quite funny, so check her out lon.tv slash jenny so this week on the channel we've got a couple of things coming up uh, first of all we've got a lenovo tab 4 8 plus that i unboxed the other day on the extras channel uh, this is a relatively low cost android tablet it's like 130 bucks without the 4g with it like 212 or something like that and not bad we're going to be taking a look at what you can do with this tablet and I also took it out on the road for a little LTE test you'll see that coming up and when I was in New York City my friend Antonio who was helping me with the camera uh, took me on a retro gaming adventure around the city and we went to Video Games New York to see what they had there Uh, this is a really cool store they had a whole bunch of retro games a lot of memories were kind of coming up out of the surface for things that I haven't seen since I was a kid it was Really cool little place but uh, packed full of retro games and I asked them hey do you guys have a Super Game Boy because we all know I got the analog Super NT the other day and I wanted to start experimenting with that and sure enough they had what looks to me to be a uh, new in box Super Game Boy here from Japan. Uh, This will work on my Super NT, of course, because it works with both the Japanese and American cartridges, and the Game Boy did not have any region locking, so this should uh, work just fine. So what we're going to do a little later in the week is unbox this thing and see how it works with my analog Super NT. I know it's going to work because other people have tested it out, but I posted it up on my community tab on the channel, and a lot of you want to see the unboxing and it going into action, so we'll do one of my Uh, lower key videos where we kind of step through that whole process and see how this works. And I was very excited to find this thing. It was about 30 bucks, which I think is about a fair price for it. And it was kind of fun to see that. Uh, The store was really cool though. I have to say, if you are ever in New York, check it out. Maybe next time I go, I'll do a little video there just to show it to you. It's not very big. You have to kind of, you get really cozy with your fellow shoppers there, but they are packed to the gills with Uh, retro games for every system you can imagine. That was a really fun little trip for us. And on a more boring note, I do hope to get to the Epson printer that I keep talking about. We just keep getting bumped because we get some cooler stuff in, but uh, that will hopefully be on the horizon this week. We're going to have another sponsored video from Kensington, uh, this time with their Thunderbolt dock. We're working through that series, so we'll have that going, and I am sure we'll have some other stuff happen here as well as it comes in. A lot of times something I'm not expecting arrives early and that blows up the whole schedule because I know you'll want to see that first. So uh, we should have a good mix of stuff again this week. Now if you want to help the channel you can. You can go to lawn.tv slash support and make a monthly or one time contribution. We also have our ongoing relationship with Plex, where if you uh, do a a free Plex account, no credit card required, we get a small commission, but we also get a commission if you open up a Plex Pass or gift it to somebody else, and the relevant links there will guide you to where you need to go on that. And I have some other channels for you to check out, like my Extras channel, where I post supplementary content and unboxings. We have the podcast up at lon.tv slash podcast for audio versions of this show and a few other things. We have my Snippets channel at lon.tv slash snippets and my live stream archives at lon.tv slash livestreams. And I've been trying to figure out what to do with the Snippets channel. A lot of you, of course, are not interested in that because uh, that channel is basically supplements of what you see here. So I'm trying to figure out what to do with that. Uh, my plan at the outset here is to keep things going status quo, but I might be taking some of the better things that I saw at Toy Fair pulling those out as snippets and putting it on the Extras channel. I know a lot of you aren't crazy about seeing the same thing in two places, but uh, there are some things that I think uh, just are not being watched enough, and I want to get them out in a better way. So I'm probably going to take a couple of things from the Toy Fair thing and throw it into the Extras channel, And put some other stuff over on the snippets. I'm going to build that snippets channel up over time. It's really designed as a uh, search avenue versus something for subscribers to see. So uh, the new monetization uh, rules about the subscriber count and watch time are impacting that channel a little bit. But I still want to do that just because I don't want to give you too many reruns on some of my other properties here. So I'll keep playing with it. And... I'd love to hear your suggestions, but some of you had talked about in a uh, thread last week to just get rid of the Snippets channel altogether. And I don't wanna do that just yet, but I do wanna find some happy medium between uh, channels that are monetized for search friendly content versus not. So I'll keep playing with it and you can tell me what you think and that is always helpful. Uh, I do ask though that you click on that bell icon on all of my channels so you can get notified every time I upload something or go live. So that is one thing I'd love for you all to do for me. And if you want to engage with the channel, you can uh, visit my email link here at lawntv slash email to get on my email list. We have the Facebook page at lawntv slash Facebook and my store where I resell the things that I purchased here to review. Uh, so definitely check that out. And I've got a notification that pops up every time I add something to the store. I do plan to add some more inventory to it later in the week. Everything right now is sold out, which is great. It's first time in a long time everything got cleared out. But uh, I definitely will be putting some more stock in there shortly. So do keep in touch with me. Let me know what you think of what's going on here on the channel. And I uh, greatly appreciate your support and viewership. Got lots of good stuff coming up this week. I want to thank you all once again, and I will see you again soon. This is Lon Sybin. Thanks for watching. This channel is brought to you by the Lon.TV supporters, including gold-level supporters of the Black and Blues Music Hour podcast, Chris Allegretta, Gerard Newberg and Kalyan Kumar. If you want to help the channel, you can by contributing as little as a dollar a month. head over to lon.tv/support to learn more and don't forget to subscribe visit lon.tv/s